to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we're back on the practice field, back here at the Baptist Health Training Complex, back in the stands with a chance to get a better view at the entire practice. Field level is great, but the eye in the sky is undefeated. We'll hear from head coach Mike McDaniel. We'll get post-practice player media availability. And my favorite part, of of course, the practice notes. We'll also fill you on some roster moves and the PFF numbers we omitted on the Monday show. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. Another Miami Dolphins Quick update on the PFF numbers that we did not get to on the Monday episode. The passing offense through Skylar Thompson, 7.4 yards per pass down the field uh, with with air depth, I should say. 2.79 seconds time to throw. That's a very good number. Uh, A lot higher than what we saw last season. 76.9% adjusted accuracy. He was 3-for-3 on passes 20-plus yards down the field with 84 yards and a touchdown pass. Some of those open plays schemed up downfield for him. But this note right here, he was kept clean on 20 dropbacks and completed 18 of those passes for 197 yards, 9.9 yards per pass, and a touchdown compared to 14 uh, dropbacks where he's under pressure. He goes 8 for 14. But I really want to point out that he had 20 dropbacks clean and 14 under pressure. A good ratio here in week one of the preseason. Some receiver numbers. Lynn Bowden averaged 13.75 yards per route ran. That is an absurd number. Anything over two is pretty good. Cedric Wilson, 4.83. Trent Sherfield, 3.67. And Tanner Connor, 3.57. I should say anything over two for a whole season for a, a requisite workload is really good. These individual games, you can have these kind of blurs off the radar, but I thought it was worth pointing out because of that. Solomon Kinley had a clean sheet, no pressures allowed on 23 pass protection reps, and Adam Pankey had just one hurry allowed on 26 pass pro reps. Before we get to Coach's press conference, some roster moves. The Dolphins have waived Cole Banwart, Devontae Dedman, and Jordan Williams. They've also waived slash injured release Tino Ellis and Adam Shaheen, or I should say to the IR for Shaheen there. That's it. That's the roster news. That's the PFF numbers. Let's go ahead and go right back to our practice edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Day 13 out here in South Florida in Miami Gardens. Let's go ahead and pick it up with Coach Mike McDaniel's media availability. And he first touched on an update on Byron Jones talking about how the process remains the same. They're very hopeful the entire time. We've all known that things have to hit on all cylinders without having setbacks for that to be the case, and nothing has changed in that regard. He also touched on what Byron has to do in order to get himself ready to play, and he he was very transparent about the fact that if this is a guy with maybe one accrued season or you know eight, ten games played, you might want to get them more football time in terms of seeing live reps. And while he won't throw Byron Jones onto the field week one without having any football reps, he does say that the experience and resume of Byron Jones certainly affords him the opportunity to get out there faster because you can trust a guy that has played that well and knows the game that well and has seen so many reps in his career. The Dolphins picked up cornerback Mackenzie Alexander, a former second-round draft pick, had a very nice career both inside, outside, and on special teams. Coach was asked about Mackenzie. 
Mackenzie Alexander, and that is where we'll pick up this press conference about the new Dolphins cornerback, Mackenzie Alexander. Initially, you know what a guy has played. Um, there, there is a portion of the process, especially um, with a player like that, where you, you want them to earn um, their ability within your exact scheme. You know, so the versatility of inside and outside, um, I think, is 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 nice for us. Um, everybody knows uh, where where he's had his production from, but I try not to say, uh, you know, everybody. Every defensive scheme has their specific techniques. Sometimes, like for instance, um, we we just played uh, a a team, Tampa Bay where if you watch one-on-ones or um, whatever, their man-to-man coverage, they don't necessarily reroute um, as much as our, our guys do. So the reason why I say that is um, I'm not I'll, – I'll never be con- 100% committed to, okay, this guy is only this, always leaving the options open, fully knowing um, that he has uh, experience. And we watch tape too, but we – would rather, especially with that with that particular player, um, let him earn his keep. And I I wouldn't want to say, hey, you can't do something. Um, we we were just going for the best player inside or outside uh, available, and let the chips fall with that in his hands. Are you guys fans of the HBO Mike Judge vehicle, Silicon Valley, when Dinesh and Gilfoyle are? upset about the way Richard has handled a certain element of the business and they have nothing but great things to say about Richard, but they want to complain about this one thing and they come up with a shorthand to say Richard is great, but you know, I need to come up with a shorthand for Mike McDaniel's perfect answers in press conferences because I just want to keep going back to that. And when you get a question about whether or not Mackenzie Alexander is going to play inside or outside and he winds up giving you this tidbit about Within a certain scheme, the skill set he can offer at one position might not be what it was for another team in another spot. And you just get these very in-depth, unique glances at the way his brain works and the way this sport kind of, you know, is so difficult to describe can be really boiled down to something so simple because of the way he communicates it and articulates it. Like, that's why those 890,000 video cut-ups are such a big story, right? He's found a way to streamline processes and communicate something within his own mind that is so complex and it comes out on the other end, like well-packaged. It just blows my mind. So we need a Rigby shorthand for Coach McDaniel's press conferences are my favorite thing I've ever covered. And next, he was asked about, did you feel like there was a need for an inside guy talking about a potential guy behind Nick Needham who has a stranglehold on that slot position? Here's Coach talking about the need at the cornerback position and what they were looking for, not inside or outside, but a competitive defensive back. Really, I felt like there was just a need for um, a competitive NFL um, defensive back. You know, I, I, I'm not particularly worried about inside or outside. Uh, we, we like Nick Needham's um, versatility. Um, luckily we, we have a, a group of, um, athletic, uh, diverse, um, players on the back end that can really, that versatility is a huge strength. Um, so to me, the only way, you know, we were afforded an opportunity. It's hard to get 
competition that has a chance to make the team in the middle of camp. So when you when you have a good player out there that you work out that you've has already been on your radar before you had any injuries, um, I, I I wasn't really concerned with hey we're light on inside players or we're light on outside. I wanted someone that would legitimately have a chance to compete for a roster spot, which I think he does. So yeah, there you go. Mackenzie Alexander added to the roster, and he's got a bunch of pelts in the wall in terms of NFL experience, success, and a good resume on defensive or in the defensive backfield and on special teams. Next coach was asked about Noah Igbenogany and something that he's been impressed by and something he feels that Noah can work on. Here's coach, a bit of a continuation from what he talked about at his Sunday press conference with Noah, seeing it, trusting it, and playing not not playing not to get beat. Um, I've been impressed by his his uh, internal fortitude. Okay, this is uh, it's not lost on me at all. Um, the pressures that come um, in the National Football League, especially when you're an athlete of his skill set. So he's he's done an outstanding job. You have to have a short memory at the cornerback position. He's really had some maturation growth. Um, this year, uh, from you know the stories that I've that I heard coming in, where he's he's moving on to the next play and um, competing and not letting himself get down on himself, where he needs to um, improve, I would say is kind of what I was alluding to um, when I talked to him during the game. Is I don't want him to ever lose his aggressiveness and and feel like he's playing not to get beat. I want him to, to always compete, have no memory um, in, in that regard, and just be kind of cutthroat with, with the game of football, to just trust all of his training. And so in times that, that I think he's uh, being a hair passive, I'll jump on that and be like, hey, that's not you. This is, this is not where, where you're at in your development, which I think he agreed, um, which is, again, why he's – He's taken some steps forward as a professional. And as we'll get to in the notes here today, Noah Egbenogany, a big day at practice here for the Miami Dolphins on this Tuesday. Next, Coach was asked about, is this week set up to put Tua in position to start the game on Saturday against the Raiders? Here's Coach McDaniel with another fantastic quip. This week um, is set up to to not know what I'm going to do. Um, no, no uh, it, it is, and I, and I know you. I get where you're coming from. You're just trying to trying to get an idea, um, and so I'm sensitive to that fact. But I, I, and whether I mean it is not coach speak at all. It is direct. Like I, I really truly believe in the process, and and taking in all pieces of information to do what's best for the team. Um, I what I do expect is I expect there to be some players that didn't play in the in this last game to play in this, this game coming forward. Um, when I see exactly where we're at, um, and it doesn't necessarily mean if he has a good week of practice that, that I'm good. Um, it, it's more where the whole offense is at, what he needs on the field, but also other players that have to play. And does that necessitate him playing? You know, like it is such a, to do it the right way in my opinion, there's so many compounding variables that uh, I, I would hesitate to say yes, he is or no, he's not. 
because I haven't made totally that decision. So there you have it. Another fun Coach McDaniel press conference. If you want to find the entire thing, check out the team YouTube channel, Miami Dolphins YouTube. Coming up next here, that's right, it's practice notes time. We'll go ahead and take a short break and come back with the practice notes for Tuesday, August the 16th here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a Tuesday. We are back in Miami Gardens for Dolphins practice. A nice week in Tampa Bay, but it's always good to be home. A field view, field level view is always nice, but nothing beats the eagle eye in the sky as I got a chance to return back to the top of the grandstands here at the Baptist Health Training Complex to watch Dolphins practice on this Tuesday. We're just three weeks away from Patriots Week. It's coming up fast. We have two more games, a bunch more practices in between then and now, and we had day 13, which was a little back and forth, and I would say not the best practice the team had this training camp so far on balance, but I want to go ahead and do this thing a little bit differently because I don't feel like going through this position by position is going to cover this practice the way that I want to. And I want to start with some observations from just hanging out and watching the pre-practice stuff. First, Trent Sherfield was in the orange jersey today, and what a huge day he had in the orange. Might have been the best performance by somebody who was wearing the orange jersey so far in training camp. My first note was that it was hot, like miserably hot today, microwave hot. And maybe it was just the kind of week in Tampa with weather But I was somewhat blown away by the fact that Central Florida, again, at least the three days that I was there, did not have anywhere near the mugginess and the humidity and just the overall, this is terrible, (laughs) summer heat of South Florida. I'll defer to the longtime South Floridians out there, but we came back home and it was hot. Today, they drilled indies and fundies for a long time, like 45 minutes of just getting things put back together from an individual and fundamental standpoint. Real emphasis on positional work, technique, and some good hard coaching. I always enjoy those periods just to see the interactions, coaching points, effort, those sort of things. And I thought it was really cool to see the Dolphins defensive line working on a drill where you hit the tackling sled, and then you get your hands up and coach would throw the ball behind your ear hole and you have to try to get your hands up and swat that thing down once your rush has been stymied, especially when on the first play of team, Christian Wilkins, who during that individual portion was getting Coach Clark absolutely fired up by rejecting passes left and right. And there was a evolution for Coach Clark out there today with Emmanuel Ogba 
doing a one-on-one -on -one drill by himself where he had to bend the edge, chop the arms of the tackling dummy to get to the quarterback, and Coach was fired up by a rep, just like fist-pumping the way you and I would if Tua found Tyreek for 75 yards in the first play of the season. Same exact energy level, I feel like. And then he carried that over into Christian Wilkins batting down passes and individuals. And it was kind of that Vince McMahon, McMahon, Vince McMahon evolution of, well, mm, what's over there? Interesting to, oh, that's, that looks pretty good to like absolutely on fire to falling over backwards in the chair. And when he fell over backwards in the chair was when Christian Wilkins swatted the first pass of practice in the team period right back into the quarterback's face. It was cool to see them apply something they learned in that period of practice and took it over to the team portion of practice. Remember last year, the Dolphins had 91 passes defense. That was most of the National Football League. The defensive line also had more than any other defensive line. And Emmanuel Ogba had more than any other defensive line player with 12 last year. So it's an emphasis. They work on it. They do a good job of it. And then in that team period, right after the batted passes, we got a huge run from quarterback one. He got out wide, stretched the legs. And I'm not sure if he would have scored from 45 yards out, but he might have. It kind of reminded me of that run he had against LSU as a sophomore when both teams were unbeaten and he, chased by Devin White, rumbled in for the Crimson Tide. Touchdown. It was a really impressive run from Tua Tungavailoa. Showed some of those wheels today. Then the Dolphins opened up some space for Chase Edmonds, and it's copy and paste at this point. He presses it, things converge, and with one foot in the ground, one cut, he's accelerating off that cut and into the second level in an absolute flash. A little bit tougher to see the offensive line today on the far field, but that hole was opened up by Liam Eichenberg and Connor Williams with a really nice seal by Rob Hunt on the backside as well. Then, <clears throat> excuse me, there were back-to-back -back Tua rips that had me excited. And in fact, my good buddy Safed Dean, you guys know who he is. We were sitting by each other today. We're, he was laughing and saying, the season's got to start now, dog. The way Tua's playing, I want to see it today. And I'm like, yeah, I I can't remember being this excited for the season at this point of training camp. Usually I'm still pretty fired up by the practices, by the preseason games to come. You guys know I love preseason football. But, oh man, we're like three and a half weeks away from the Patriots. I can't wait. But anyway, they ran these two passes that to me showed the processing ability of QB1 to Otunga-Vailoa. First, catch the snap and fire one quickly to Tyreek. One of those glance routes, just catch it, get it out between the one and the zero. And there he goes. It's not live, so you never know. But I think he had a pretty big gain after the catch. Then a similar route where that first window is taken away. So two of pumps and kind of double clutches. And you see that hook defender take that cheese and slide to the side. And that opens up the second window where Tua can then lay that thing in the river Craycraft. And he continues right into that window, catches it for a big chunk gain and some rack as well. Then Gus, uh, Porter Gusson and Darius Hodge made back-to-back -back plays on Chase Edmonds and Sony Michelle runs with really strong edges to set and finishes coming off those blocks. Both of those guys have really made a good case for making this football team. A few plays later, Channing Tindall came clean against the run. At least once in practice, we see him flash this pure speed and suddenness. Did it again today. Later in the practice, you wind up getting these three incompletions in the end zone. Around one Trent Sherfield touchdown pass from Tua, an absolute rip between a trio of defenders. And I wrote in my notes, like that was kind of a weird sequence because in the three incompletions, there was two throwaways and you had good pockets, but it was better coverage. 
And I, I can't sit here and tell you this guy had the hook, this guy had the flat, this guy had the post. I don't know. I, I can't process 22 guys at once. I, I, I wish I could. But I did have a chance to kind of keep my eyes in the end zone. And I noticed that on the three plays that went incomplete, Javon Holland, Xavier Howard, and Keon Crossan each had one-on-one matchups in situations where those receivers made a move at some point where they had to break down and change direction, and they stayed plastered to those guys on those reps. You know, we like we cover offense, it seems like, in these practices, but the defense gets paid too, man. It's a pretty damn good defense, and they showed their stuff today. So in comes Teddy Bridgewater, and he's got a touchdown to Lynn Bowden in traffic. Then he tries to fit another one in, and Noah Igbenogany undercuts this route and takes it back 100 yards the other way for a touchdown and fires that thing into the practice kicking net behind the field goal post. And here come Darius Hodge and Raekwon Davis to celebrate with him. A very nice play there for the Dolphins' third-year cornerback. Then we get a couple of Mike Gasicki catches one for a touchdown where he put on a really nice move at the top of his route to clear himself to that front pylon in the corner of the end zone at a Braylon Sanders touchdown. And then later in the practice session, Tua found Cedric Wilson up the sideline with an absolutely perfect dot. And Cedric took off with a nice move back inside and potentially a massive gain. We had instances in this practice of guys open, but also some nice traffic needled throws by the quarterback. On the next play, Tua drives one right down the middle to Tyreek, and there's a defender over the top of him and one right on his back. And he just sells this throw into a pocket where only Tyreek can get it. He goes to the ground, scoops it up, and makes that play. Like saying scooping it up makes it sound like it was a low throw, but it was intentional to set him down. Uh, really good throw between that coverage. Jerome Baker and Landon Roberts had some interesting work today. Baker, you know, his multifaceted role, which really helps this Dolphins defense stay multiple against a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, like we saw last year. He had some good work in tandem with Landon Roberts to stop some running downs. And John Jenkins continues to get some work done, just knocking guys back, holding the point of attack there against the running game. We also got a pair of chunk gains that featured key blocks from both Trent Sherfield and Muhammad Sanu. I just love how those guys, you know, on top of their work as pass catchers, and to me, they both look very, very good out here as pass catchers, find ways to find advantages in the fine margins, blocking special teams, giving your full effort on clear out routes, that type of thing. It it shows up. And this is where the interception barrage really began. Good situational football opportunities, trying to throw the ball into the end zone late. So you're going to get like nine green jerseys in the end zone. Remember, the situation is always on the scoreboard when you come to practice. So you can see what they're working on. It's right there for you. I guess I was the only one looking at that today, but it's right there. You can see the situation they're working on. And with the coverage, too, you can also see like this is clear that they don't want anybody catching the ball in the end zone. If they catch it short of the end zone, that's fine. So what that means is you're going to have to throw a contested ball. You're going to have to fit a tight window, and it's going to be really damn hard to complete that pass, especially on a defense that has Javon Holland, who just ranges over in between traffic and plucks this to a pass and takes it the other way for 40 yards. To me, this was just really good situational defense. Keep them out of the end zone, clamp the tight windows. The quarterback's going to have to hit that tight window. And most of the time, they're not going to be able to do it. Like if you go to win probability or, you know, EPA, that type of stuff that measures the odds of a particular play working, like what's a third and 16 conversion rate in the NFL? Do you know what third and 10 is? It's like 25%. What do you think third and 16 is? It's less than 10%. It's supposed to go to the defense, and they made it so all day long. Then we get Brandon Jones batting down a 50-50 ball for Tyreek Hill. Then an absolute shot up high for Mike Gesicki, who in this one motion elevates, pivots, 
twirls, plucks it, and comes back down inbounds for six. The full display of his size and athleticism on that one play. So we had a few different situations they ran through after that. And all these periods, you know, without going into the specifics of them, it requires the offense to be incredibly precise with the defense really being able to defend one-dimensionally in one area because that's how it gets late in games. And we saw that. You, you have to push this thing hot, right? So Tua goes to Tyreek Hill for 15 yards clock, to Trent Sherfield for 15 yards clock. Then you get a throw away with a quick pressure from Manuel Ogba, and then Jason Sanders hits the crossbar from 62 yards out, and it came back out, dang near hit that thing. Same situation for Tua. Porter Gustin has a would-be sack, but he does find Lynn Bowden for 15 yards clock. Preston Williams has a great contested catch for 20 yards clock. Throw away, Sanders goes wide from 60, but this one had plenty of leg, would have been good from 65. Then we get the same situation for Skylar Thompson, intercepted by Elijah Hamilton. Then they move the ball up to the 35 to get that same spot back. Ben still has a would-be sack, and that's pretty much it right there. Finally, 103 on the clock from the minus 35, your own 35-yard line. You need a touchdown, Tua at the controls. We go 9 yards to Edmonds, 10 yards to Gasicki. timeout. Ball's at the plus 46 with 42 seconds left, no timeouts. If you get the middle of the field on this play, you're going to get down to under 30 seconds. You're going to have to clock it again. So you have to go ultra, ultra fast. They go incomplete to Tyreek, and then Brandon Jones gets a pick. So look, obviously you don't want to turn it over, but I do think there's context to be applied to that. And the context was that these are situations where it's a one-dimensional situation. You can't run the football, no threat of the run game. Gains of less than 10 yards are actually more beneficial to the defense from the clock standpoint, and you have to hit big plays when the defense is defending big plays first and foremost. Getting upset about this is like getting upset for not hitting a double in the gap when the defense in baseball is in a no-doubles defense up against the wall. And remember, this is a defense that has just been stellar at closing out games the last two years. I remember mentioning this last year in a league where it seems like even when a team is down by 20 points, they wind up throwing into the end zone with a chance to tie or win the game late, like all the time. Look at the playoffs. The Bengals in that Raiders game up by, was it 16 points? Raiders go bang, bang, and they're throwing into the end zone late trying to tie that game. The AFC Championship game, the Bengals are down by three scores. They come back and win that football game. But the Dolphins' defense consistently had thwarted those comeback attempts the last couple of years, and when they have those double-digit leads, they typically held them. They got it done today, and in fact, I asked around some of the guys about just that. We'll play their sound in our player availabilities next. Actually, real quick, I forgot this note. Nick Needham had a pick and a pass breakup. He dropped the pass breakup, went to the jugs machine, got extra work after practice. He was fantastic today. I forgot to put him in the notes. Want to get that in there. Let's take a short break here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, coming back on the other side with player media availability brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he didn't need it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We got all kinds of good content for you guys today. You can find the player media availabilities and Coach McDaniel on the tall, uh, the, the tall, the Dolphins YouTube channel. Go ahead and check that out for more of this. We'll go ahead and start here, though, with Chase Edmonds. And he was asked a little bit about, from myself, about that situation in practice, those situational situations, <laughs> and uh, what the offense is trying to get done. And he actually gave credit to the defense saying, I think they got this one today. Here's the Dolphins running back. Yeah, I learned it. Uh- I'll give the defense the credit, but I will say when you practice two minute um, in practice as opposed to games, there's certain uh, balls or certain tight windows that the quarterback might not throw in the game. But you know, you want to you want to get that feel. You want to see what you can get away with. So I'm not gonna give them all the credit this week. They did a great job though of closing out for sure. And then I want to go ahead and just play this quick audio from him because it backs up an assertion I've been making all training camp long about what makes Chase. Chase, and one of the most impressive players really I've watched on tape and throughout the course of training camp from my own evaluation standpoint, here's Chase Edmonds on applying something that happened earlier in camp and how it fit his skill set and what makes him a good fit for the system. Yeah, so I just like how in the outside zone, you know, you're stretching the defense laterally. And um, really, when you're displacing the defense and you're making them have to cover a lot more field, it opens up uh, certain lanes and certain holes that I'm able to take advantage of. Um, like, I remember seeing a play that we had. It was early on in training camp. We were, we were running the uh, outside zone to the left, and it was an unblocked man in the hole. But because you have everybody stretching laterally, it could be an unblocked man in the hole. And I still compress that hole, make him miss and get back to a, to a back gap, you know, a gap uh, one space behind it, and still be able to make a positive run out of it. Um, sometimes with inside zone, you know, you're working more vertical, so the, the space is a little more tight. I just feel like here, when we stretch people laterally, it's really what I do best, and that's pressing holes and bursting through the hole. Let's hear next from Dolphins receiver Trent Sherfield. I, I love this dude's game, man. I love his approach. I love the way he plays the game, everything. I went ahead and asked him the same question about end-of-game situations and how it might favor the defense. If you can get some extra work, what you can learn from that stuff. Here's the Dolphins receiver on the exact same question posed to Chase Edmonds. Um, I mean, honestly, it's, it's iron, it's iron sharpened iron. Um, every single day, you know, we, we come out and we, we try our best um, to get each other better. You know, um, I, I definitely would agree with Chase. I feel like the defense got the best of us today. Um, you know, they came out, you know, they executed their, you know, they executed their uh, plays well. And, you know, we, we, had some, we had some trouble executing our plays, you know, all across a front, outside, quarterback, running back. Everybody had, had trouble executing. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's literally iron sharp. All right, tomorrow we'll come out. We're going we're gonna to try to get them again, you know. So, um, you know, for me, I just think it's very, very important that, you know, there's days where defense wins and then there's days where offense wins. And it just goes back and forth. It's just a constant battle. So then that way, when we get out there on Sundays, you know, we're, we're able to feed off of each other. Also heard a cool story about how he used to get to the facility every day early in his career at 5.30 a.m. and why he doesn't do that anymore because good sleep is very important. Here's Trent Sherfield. Um, actually, no, I don't. I don't do that anymore. Um, I think um, as my career has, has, has uh, progressed and as, I, as I've evolved as a player, um, I've, having, I've had to take, take some things out of my regiment and out of my routine. Um, for one, uh, my, my, my quality, my first thing that I take is my, is my sleep. And uh, when I was doing that, I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. And, you know, there was times when I was in the facility, I wasn't really, I, w- I was at the facility, but I wasn't at the facility, if that makes sense, mentally. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I've, I've had to take some of those things out of my routine, showing up first and everything like that. Because my thing was, I was showing up first, and I was beating everybody to the facility, right? I was, 
in my head, I'm like, oh, am I working this guy? Am I working this person? Whatever it may be. It wasn't for the right intentions. And so I had to take that out of my routine to make sure that I was getting proper sleep, you know, so then that way when I can come into the facility, I can be well rested, you know, I can be locked in for practice, I can be locked in for meetings and everything like that. So I don't really take pride in that anymore um, just because, you know, I had to take a, take a step back and look, you know, why was I doing that? And it was really all for the wrong reasons. And so now, you know, I'm more focused on getting sleep, you know, getting the, the, pro- the proper, um, you know, nutrition and everything like that. So. Finish up here with one more from Liam Eichenberg. I asked him about what Coach mentioned with the three young offensive linemen between himself, Rob Hunt, and Austin Jackson in the 13 snaps they had on Saturday in Tampa. How Coach mentioned, I thought there was, you know, 10 good reps, maybe three that were things we can correct, but three things that we have correctly done previously in practice, and now it's about finding a way to get that carryover and make it consistent where practice essentially is the game and vice versa. So I asked him about the approach, and here he is talking about that and this Dolphins defensive line that really helps him, to use a trope, iron sharpen iron. Yeah, I mean, I, I come out here every day looking to improve, you know, looking, looking to work on things and specifically what I need to improve on. Um, you know, I mean, coming out here, I'm going against, you know, some of the best defensive linemen in the league. So, um, you know, it's, it's a great honor to be on this team to go against those guys. But yeah, like 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 you're saying, and what coach was saying, you know, every single day, it's it's like you're playing a game. So, I mean, I I look at it from that standpoint, and you know, I just try to improve and you know take what I'm doing individual to team. So, so there you go, Liam Eichenberg. We had. Trent Sherfield and Chase Edmonds. We also had a Landon Roberts, Larnell Coleman, and Keon Crossen to go find those. Check out the YouTube channel. You can also find Mike McDaniel up there as well. We'll be back tomorrow with another practice update. We have Coach McDaniel again tomorrow. And then I believe Thursday, no coach. We will have the practice on Thursday, Friday off, game on Saturday. And then next week, we'll have you guys out at practice again for the Eagles. We'll also have more media bells. I believe we get assistant coaches at some point as well. So plenty to come your way here. Dolphins training camp 2022. It's about halfway over, almost home, almost to the season. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. That helps us out more than you can know. We don't ask for much in the podcast here, but a free rating five stars helps too. Please go ahead and take care of that. One star reviews actually help too, because the more reviews you get, the more you get on the algorithms on the old interwebs. Also follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast. Kevin Carter just posted today. We have the Twitter Spaces show tomorrow night at eight o'clock with me, Seth, and Juice. Check out the YouTube channel for the media veils, drive time and fish tank content as well as Dolphins today. And last but not least, you can find the training camp written notebook by yours truly up on MiamiDolphins.com, photo gallery, and all your training camp content lives there. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, Daddy, she's coming home.